Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to another edition of Taekwondo Life Magazine Live. My name is Mark Sirianis. I'm your host. I'm a third Don Black Belt, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Taekwondo Life Magazine. On today's program, we are featuring the films and martial arts style of Indonesian actor and action star and martial artist Iko Uwais. It took me a while to get the correct pronunciation of that name, and I wanted to make sure that I got it right. While Iko is not a Taekwondo practitioner, his movies are have universal appeal to people in the martial artist community, and we'll talk a lot about why that is. High-quality action and martial arts films. I had an opportunity to catch up on a number of his films that are incorporated into this episode due to the additional time that I think we all have because of the, the quarantine and global pandemic. And I suggest that if you have an opportunity that you watch any or all of these films and they will definitely be worth the time that you will invest in them. I look forward to hearing your feedback. I look forward to hearing which films you liked best. And I look forward to hearing any other recommendations for films that you think are worth our time to review and to talk about. Thank you and enjoy the show. A common theme of our program and our magazine over the years, while we are a Taekwondo publication, is that I try to highlight things that appeal to or are beneficial to Taekwondo practitioners or that would be of interest to the Taekwondo community. Martial arts movies are no exception, and I've never met a Taekwondo practitioner or martial artist that didn't crave good martial arts films and martial arts content. That is the genesis and the basis for today's program, featuring Indonesian movie star and martial artist Iko Uwais. Iko is not a Taekwondo practitioner. He is a practitioner of Selat uh, and Penjak Selat more specifically. That is a martial arts that is indigenous to his home country of Indonesia and one that I was not all that familiar with but became a little bit more familiar with as a result of my admiration for him. And while today's program isn't really so much about him, but more about his movies, I just wanted to give a little bit of a background. Uwais is not a movie star by trade per se. I think he was a delivery driver, cab driver. And documentary filmmaker Gareth Evans, who later partnered with Uwais, went to Indonesia to do a documentary about the traditional martial art there, Salat. And in his travels, Gareth Evans came across a young practitioner of Salat, someone who was well-known because his father was a master of Salat and a teacher of Salat. And Evans picked up on something in Uwais's personality and in his charisma and charm that led him to believe that not only would Iko Uwais be a good subject matter for a documentary film, 
but that he would be a great person to collaborate with for major martial arts action films. Now, one of the things to understand about the collaboration of Gareth Evans and Iko Uweis in going forward to watch these films that I'm going to recommend is that, first of all, the Indonesian ones in particular are not short films, and they are not merely action films. They're really good films, and they have a good story, and they have a lot of dialogue. But that dialogue is not in English. And that was a deterrent to me in in watching them initially. They are subtitled, but I am really glad that I took the journey because the storylines, the plots, the acting, the cinematography, particularly in the Indonesian films that were distributed internationally of Iko Uwais, are really, really good. These are good movies. These are not only good martial arts movies, these are good movies. Gareth Evans picked up something on Iko Uwais that I couldn't help, and, and, and I was reluctant. I thought about this, and I was reluctant, perhaps in my own mind, and certainly reluctant to say. But when you take this journey with Iko Uwais, I, I venture to say that he may be the most significant martial artist to appear in films since Bruce Lee. There is an unbelievable chemistry that he brings to the screen in his fighting, in his fight choreography, in his execution of moves, in his control of the screen that is really unlike any other martial artist, movie star, action star that I've ever seen. And in thinking about that and thinking about the short film career of Bruce Lee, I thought about the potential impact that Iko Uwais has the potential to have on the entire martial arts world. Now, there is one caveat to this. And I say this to anyone who's listening to this episode. I will highlight for you the films that really are not appropriate for all audiences. Iko Uweis is not Ralph Macchio. His films are not The Karate Kid. Some of them, and particularly the ones that I'm going to mention, are extremely violent. And I don't necessarily mean just martial arts fighting violent. I mean blood and gore violent. A lot of weapons in the Indonesian martial arts films from from what I see. And watching these films has really piqued my interest in understanding more about Salat, but understanding also more about the Indonesian film industry. When you watch these films, you'll be amazed that they have as good a quality acting, script writing, cinematography, action, music, as any Hollywood feature, literally. The first film that they collaborated on is a relatively low-key film called Marantu, or The Wanderer. It's a very personal film. It involves a younger Uwais going on a traditional Indonesian journey from his family and what he experiences in the big city of Jakarta in Indonesia. It is an excellent film. It has great heart. The fight scenes are really terrific. In the climactic fight scene between Uwais and two of the Western characters, you cannot help but notice that those characters appear to be trained. And I I don't know this for a fact, but any of us who are Taekwondo practitioners, seeing the spinning roundhouse kick, seeing the, the, the closed style, seeing the roundhouse kicks to the head executed by those two individuals that fight Uweis in the climactic scene certainly know that they are 
not Salat practitioners, but in all likelihood, Taekwondo practitioners and skilled Taekwondo practitioners. In 2011, Eco and Evans collaborated on a film that is going to be remade by Hollywood sometime in the next year to two years. I know that they were working on it prior to this pandemic, and that is a film called The Raid. That is a extremely intense, ultra-violent martial arts film where Uwais plays a soldier that is tasked with a small group of soldiers of capturing an underground mob scene. You'll find that many of these Indonesian films that Uwais is involved with involve multiple layers of corruption involving police, involving the mob, involving the military. Um, there's many, many aspects of not being sure who the ultimate good guys are and where the twists are, and the raid is is no exception. The fight scenes in the raid are, are just extraordinary, and it really is a visual masterpiece. I'm going to skip over one and go to The Raid 2, which was a 2014 sequel to The Raid. Of all the films, Indonesian films of Iko Uwais, it's my least favorite. And I'm, the reason is, while it has great fight scenes, while it's a great continuation of the story and the acting of The Raid, but believe it or not, this film, made for a broader audience, is completely dubbed, including Iko's voice. And something about watching the film um, as a fully dubbed f movie, even though I know that for those of us that are watch martial arts films our whole life, um, we're used to this. We're used to seeing films come out of the East that are dubbed. Uh, I, I found it to be somewhat distracting after having watched The Raid, which was so well done, uh, which had the voices of the actual actors and the subtitles, which I did not find to be a distraction. However, I do understand that financial considerations make films more appealing to the Western world when they are not subtitled. Now, my understanding is that there is also, in addition to the American version of The Raid being made, there is discussions that there will be a Raid 3, so that The Raid will be a trilogy. Which again, despite my slight criticism, I look forward to seeing. In the meantime, as Eco gave up his day job driving, doing delivery driving in Indonesia and became an international movie star or certainly a movie star in the East, he came to the attention of a number of, of American filmmakers. He came to the attention of Keanu Reeves who had written and produced a film in 2013, which I've spoken about before, which I really also really highly recommend, called The Man of Tai Chi. I think that film, like several films where Keanu Reeves plays a uh, villain, don't do as well as the ones where he plays a hero. But that movie showcases a number of different martial arts styles and is really, really worth um, watching as well. That's called The Man of Tai Chi. Uh, Eco had a small part in that. Um, as did a number of other martial artists. And it will be, which we'll talk about in a bit, it was his first pairing with Asian movie star Tiger Chen. Tiger Chen and Eco would go on, and we'll talk about Triple Threat, but they would go on to work together later in, in Triple Threat. Eco also had a small part, and I'm not sure how this one came about, to, uh, came about but he had a small part in J.J. Abrams' 2015 international blockbuster Star Wars The Force Awakens, the seventh film in the Star Wars 
series, a film that I happen to think is a great film. But to be quite honest, even knowing Eco, uh, I don't have any recollection of the role that he played, nor do I think that it was overly significant to the story. However, in the standpoint of his resume and in terms of global appeal, it certainly was a big deal. In 2016, he starred in a film called Headshot. Headshot is a very good film, another extremely violent, interesting martial arts film. Headshot involves a, a young man who, as a result of a gunshot to the head, was left for dead and wakes up on a beach in Indonesia with no recollection of who he is, where he came from, or what his life is about. And as the film unfolds, he discovers his dark past, his dark relationships, and attempts to free himself and someone he cares about from this dark lifestyle. Many of the films of Iko Uwais have this type of an arc. They involve a series of people where the lines between who, the good, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys are not so clear. Betrayal, violence, corruption, all parts of, of these films. But a thread of an arc of the underlying character played by Iko attempting to emerge and put his past behind him. That is part of, of Headshot. Headshot is beautifully shot. The fight scenes are incredible. Whether they're fight scenes with weapons whether they're fight scenes hand-to-hand, whether they're fight scenes between Eco and multiple people. The final fight scene in, in this film is, is absolutely compelling to watch. And none of the fight scenes are short. The fight scenes are really well-filmed and well-choreographed. And they are realistic. There is no high-wire um, aerial tactics or aerial acrobatics in the films of Eco Uwais. These are dynamic, full-body, full-on, martial artist hand-to-hand combat. In 2018, Eco uh, had a supporting role, a relatively large role in a Peter Berg film starring Mark Wahlberg called Mile 22. That's an American film. He is fluent in English as well as his native language. The film is a good film. I think that, that he did the fight choreography. Uh, I think he stands out in the film. The film didn't do that well because uh, I think the film is is got a uh, complex storyline. It's shot in a very um, sort of herky jerky manner, but Eco does stand out in it, and his fights are are good. It is somewhat subdued because it is certainly less violent than his Indonesian counterparts. It is his scenes of, of fighting are the the most memorable of the of the film many of the other fight scenes are shot in a very uh, uh, blurried and very hurried fashion his particularly the fight scene uh, that he has uh, in the hospital uh, base at the beginning of the film is is very very similar to many of the fight scenes in his Indonesian films I liked the film because I do like Mark Wahlberg I like Peter Berg the the director and and it is a good opportunity to showcase Eco to the West. However, I don't necessarily think that it is representative of, of people's response and what people's response will be to Eco when he gets the right American venue. The next film 
that I'm going to talk about 2018, The Night Comes For Us, written by Timo Tahajanto, is perhaps one of the best martial arts films I have ever seen. I have seen a lot of films. I have reviewed a lot of films in my life. The Night Comes For Us is a fantastic film. It is got a great story. It has got great acting. It has got amazing fight scenes. Every single fight scene in The Night Comes For Us is memorable, is unique, and all of the actors do an amazing job. Now, here's my caveat in The Night Comes For Us. The Night Comes For Us might be the most violent movie I've ever seen in my life. And again, we're not just talking martial arts violence. We're talking blood, guts. It, a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's a lot of weapons that are used in the Indonesian martial arts movie fight scenes. And a lot of it has to do with just environmental self-defense, you know, using a mirror, um, using a shard of glass, those types of things that, that are in The Night Comes For Us. But The Night Comes For Us is by far one of the best martial arts films and films I have ever seen. But again, the caution, this is not for the squeamish and this is not for children. That film was purchased by Netflix who saw probably the same things that I see in it for international distribution. I think it was a great choice. Netflix is a terrific platform. It gave them an opportunity to showcase him and I think it was good for him. It also... I think, helped to solidify Eco's relationship with Netflix, which I'm sure led to his starring role in the highly popular Netflix Western series, of which there was a one season, but another is coming, Woo Assassins. Woo Assassins is certainly where I first came to see uh, Eco, came to notice him, came to wonder, hey, who is this guy? How did he get this role? came to see he he had good screen presence, came to see he had good fighting. However, I think that even Wu Assassins doesn't fully give us a chance to appreciate the style, the fighting, the technique, and the choreography of Iko Uweis. In 2019, Iko paired again with Tiger Chen, starred in a film which we've reviewed, which was written and directed by someone who is a friend of the show, who has done our program before, Jesse V. Johnson. Jesse V. Johnson is the creator and the collaborator uh, with Scott Atkins on such films as Avengement, Savage Dog, Debt Collector. Uh, Jesse Johnson's done so many great films. This film is sort of an East meets West. Michael Jai White, Scott Atkins, My Michael Bisbing, Tiger Chen, Tony Jaa, and Iko Uweis star in a fun martial arts ensemble piece. Ja Uweis and Tiger Chen, the Asian martial artists, Asian movie stars, are essentially the heroes. Michael Jai White, Scott Atkins, Michael Bisbin, the Westerners, two of them being uh, Taekwondo practitioners. Those guys are the villains, and it's a fun action, adventure, martial arts piece, and you see an opportunity, almost like a video game, to see various of your favorite martial artists pairing off against one another 
and and fighting and it made it really really enjoyable i did enjoy it um i thought it was great my only criticism of that film is that because there's so many martial artists in it you didn't have a chance again to fully actualize anybody's um full potential in terms of their fighting and in terms of their technique Uweisk went on, of course, to star in the Netflix series Wu Assassins that we talked about, which premiered in August of 2019 in the lead role of Kai Jun. In speaking to many of the people that we've spoken to, they really enjoyed it. They're really looking forward to an, another series of it. And I think that Netflix will probably be committed to it for at least two more two more seasons. I encourage you to... Watch the films of Iko Uweis. He's had a couple others. Others, um, I believe he was in a in a comedic film called Stuber in 2019. And I know he's had another a couple of small roles. I will tell you that when you watch his fight scenes, I ask you in the most objective of ways to think back about some of the fight scenes that Bruce Lee had in Fists of Fury, perhaps or Way of the Dragon, and and to think about and compare those and to be shocked at the amazing similarities. And one of the things that I was really impressed about in the films of Iko Uweis and his the way that he has command screen presence is that there are many people over the years who have done what I would call Bruce Lee impersonations or impressions in their fight scenes, whether they're paying homage or they're just attempting to duplicate and I don't see any of that in, in Uwais. What I see is a guy who just has a similar sensibility, who's comfortable in his martial art, who's comfortable with the camera, who has good acting skills, and who has the ability and the, the potential to be the biggest martial artist, martial arts movie star in the world within a short period of time. Growing up, for me, Martial arts movies came out of Hong Kong, came out of China. During the era of time that we've talked about, the Chuck Norris era, there were many American martial arts films. We moved into Steven Seagal, Jean-Claude Van Damme, people of those, the, those natures. More recently, the South Korean film industry has produced some terrific high-end films and martial arts movie films. But in watching the films of Iko Uwais, I would venture to say that the Indonesian action filmmakers are producing the most exciting, the most interesting, the most well-scripted and well-choreographed martial arts films in the world today. And leading the way and leading the path is their poster child and somebody that I suggest that you catch up with, and that is Iko Uwais. I'd love to hear your feeling and your feedback on the films we talked about today. I'll put links to some of them in, in the show notes. And I'd love to hear any suggestions for any types of films or any movies that you think are worth us checking out or that you'd love to share with our listeners. Hopefully, by the time this, this airs, you will either be beyond this pandemic or there'll be light at the end of the tunnel. But either way, I hope you're safe. I hope you're well. And I look forward to seeing you in the Dojang.
spending time in training and working on the podcast and the magazine, it is difficult for me sometimes to get out to the store or the supermarket. And when that occurs, I always rely on Instacart. A friend of mine introduced me to Instacart about a year ago, and it has really changed the way that I shop. I go on the computer or on my phone. I have multiple stores to choose from in the neighborhood. I can select all of my products for delivery, and it'll give me other alternative products based upon my preferences. And it's really, really a helpful tool towards making your life a heck of a lot easier. No more worrying about trying to find parking at the supermarket or standing in line at the checkout counter. You can just do all of it from your computer. It'll help you save money by giving you suggestions on deals and by providing you alternative products. And shoppers will hand select your products. They'll bag them up neatly and that they'll deliver them within a specified delivery window. I have never had a problem with the products, the groceries, or the service from Instacart. And if you follow the show notes and you let Instacart know that we sent you, they'll provide you free delivery on your first order of over $35. I highly recommend it. And I think that it, for me, has been one of the life-changing services that I've gotten involved with. I'm not a guy who does a lot of internet shopping, but this is something I don't like to be without. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.